That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Aaron, it is uh, great to uh, be with you once again. Here we are on the third Sunday of Easter. If you are uh, tuning in, you will be uh, real close to. Uh, Actually, you know, you're probably getting ready to go to the Mockingbird Conference, which is this weekend, and so in New York City. So uh, that's very exciting. But for those of you who aren't going to be there, and for those of you who are, here is your uh, weekly podcast, the same old song. So drop Uh, fresh for you. And I think if you are planning on dropping into the Mockingbird Conference, uh, just note that I think just as we're recording several weeks out, it's already sort of full-ish. So uh, I would encourage you to check Mockingbird's social meds and uh, website and see. Uh, you, I think the food and Jake, you're deep in the planning of it. There might not, if you drop in, there might not be food. No, but if you want to drop in and talk, you might be able to get a. You can definitely get a seat for a talk. You can definitely, yeah, but you can't eat. Just tell them you know Jacob Smith. Yeah, <laughs> and I'll let you in. Do you know that That's joke right. about Jesus? So uh, there's this one? great. It's like theologically not true at all. But anyway, the angel Gabriel goes to St. Peter because the the books aren't adding up. There are more people in heaven than should be allowed in. And so the angel Gabriel goes to like kind of correct this with uh, St. Peter. And uh, and anyway, St. Peter's like, well, I'm doing all I can, but you know, Jesus is outside the wall just lifting people over the fence. And so anyway, uh, so if you come and you're late yeah. and you're not registered, don't worry. Jake and Jesus will lift you up over the fence. Don't tell Dave yep. though. So there's a there's a wideness in God's mercy. <laughs> yeah. I will say, you know, your glasses remind me of the lead singer for Jamiroquai. Oh, I'm so flattered that you said that. Thank you. Remember that guy? Yeah, I love That's him, sweet. man. It was great. I love Jamiroquai too. Even their new stuff. Virtual insanity. Their new stuff uh, is good too. I've not listened. I didn't know they did anything. Mm, yeah, uh, man. Post, uh, you know, the year 2000. That's no, show. man. It's good. Get it a listen. Well. Well, so our listeners, here we are getting ready to jump into Easter 3. Uh, Hopefully you've recovered from the um, Holy Week Easter stuff and have had some good time off, maybe a little rest. Uh, And here we are now in the Easter season. Uh, Today we have these readings from Acts chapter 9, where we get the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, and we have a short verses from Revelation chapter 5, and then we move into John chapter 21, where Jesus has a filet of fish on the beach with his disciples. The best McDonald's sandwich is filet of fish, in case you were wondering. So, Jake, we begin here with Acts 9. Saul is out breathing threats and murder, and uh, and God says, well, I, I better call Saul. <laughs> <laughs> Which he does. He calls him into the service of the church. So, um, yeah, this is a cool story. It's It's Saul, who is this Pharisee, who is ahead of his peers in terms of his righteousness and faithfulness to uh, observance of the Torah. And 
he is so indignant about these new Jewish people who are deciding that Jesus is the Messiah, and they're saying crazy things uh, about him being God, and so he has to just stamp out this heresy right away, so he's doing that. He has recently come from standing by approvingly, holding people's cloaks while they were bashing St. Stephen over the head with rocks until he died, and then Saul is just continuing with that mission to stamp out the church. So he's got arrest warrants for Christians in Damascus, and he's headed there, and while he's on the way, Jesus shows up and says, Saul, what is the deal? So, yeah, Paul famously, well, he later becomes known as, as Paul, but as he is, he's knocked off his horse, uh, he's made to, he loses his sight, and he ends up going into Damascus and is baptized and... Um, then, you know, as we know, the rest of the story begins to uh, become this incredible pastor, church planner, preacher, and writer of half the New Testament. So that's the Acts 9 reading. Uh, there's a part of it that's optional. You can cut verses 7 through 20. Uh, I feel like if you cut that, you miss the whole point of the story, because then all you get is just Saul falling off of his horse, uh, and that's it. You don't get any of the grace Uh the grace here being that, uh, well, what is the grace, Jake? What would you say about this? Well, I think that there's a couple of things you could say about this particular passage when you're preaching it, if you preach it. And, and you know, sometimes it's good to talk about church history. But uh, the first thing you could say is, you know, when Je- so remember, uh, Jesus has been um, uh, resurrected and risen. Uh, this is, uh, you know, this is... Um, couple of, you know, this is shortly after that, but Jesus is is resurrected and ascended already. And here he appears to uh, Saul, making, this eventually will make St. Paul an apostle, because the definition of an apostle is one who has seen the Lord and was sent out. And so, um, so but Jesus appears to Paul, uh, Saul and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And so, but who has uh, uh, Saul been persecuting? He's been persecuting the church. And so, you know, this uh, really kind of in light of Jesus's teaching in Matthew about the sheep and the goats, this kind of, you know, what you did for the least of me's you did also unto me. And so, uh, when Saul is persecuting the church, he's not simply persecuting the church, he's persecuting Christ himself. And so, uh, he is then knocked off his horse, uh, where uh, then he's cared for by this guy named Ananias. And, uh, you know, this is another thing, is that, uh, you know, sometimes when God calls us to do uh, things, um, uh, well, they will be crazy. And, uh, you know, and so the idea that, you know, I mean, this would be like, you know, go like some some Jewish guy who's just, you know, uh, you know, go take out, take care of Adolf Hitler. Like, you know what I mean? Really? Like, go take care of the skinhead. Really? Yeah, he's going to be the greatest rabbi of all time. Like, that's kind of what we're talking about here. This is, this is a crazy, crazy request. Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. I mean, this is a crazy thing that um, Ananias is being um, called to do. But in here lies the gospel. And that is, uh, uh, God uh, calls all sorts of people. You know, it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been, you know, and you and I get emails all the time from people who are like, you know, I've 
listen to the podcast, and I've sensed a call to ministry, and uh, but God could never use me. You know what I mean? And and that's just simply not true here. Um, God uh, qualifies the called. He doesn't call the qualified. And there was nothing about Saul that made him qualified to be an apostle, except for the call that God had put on his life. And so, therefore, God can call you as well. And uh, what we see is the, the profound grace of God. And I love how uh, what, what John Calvin says, God took a savage wolf and made him into a sheep and then made him a shepherd. And uh, really, uh, the good news of the gospel is, is that God can use any broken vessel, including yourself, uh, yeah. uh, for the sake of the spreading of this good news. He calls and uses us all. Yeah, this totally goes against what you normally hear is that if you want God to serve you, uh, or if you want to serve God, if you want God to use you, if you want God to guide you or give you direction in life, you have to... Um, get it together. You have to kind of get it together, yeah. Um, it's kind of to... like my theory with the gym. You know, I always, I <laughs> want to be in shape before I go to the gym. So, uh, That's you right. know what I mean? And so... I mean, uh, yeah, people, people say they want... Um, you know, uh, um, they want to, God can't use, you know, if, if you're not listening to God, um, you won't be able to hear him. If you're not regularly in scripture, you won't know God's will for your life. If you're not doing all these things, and I'm someone who loves the scriptures, and I'm someone who believes deeply in the importance of prayer in the Christian life. And I mean, why wouldn't you pray? Like, who can't not, like, I can't not pray. I pray all the time. I can't do it. So, um, I'm not... Um, trying to kind of downplay those parts of our life in Christ, but the idea that we need to kind of get all these ducks in a row in order for God to speak to us, in order for God to use us, in order for God to um, hear our prayers and for us to hear his responses, it's clearly not true. You couldn't have somebody more close to God's word. He wants to kill Christians. He, um, He wants to reject Jesus and, and, God here says, and God can break through. It's, you know, the whole idea, we've talked about this before, Jake, the idea that um, Jesus is a gentleman, and so he'll knock on the door, but you have to open it. He'll never barge into your life. And there's that famous picture of Jesus knocking on a door, and there's no handle on his side. He can't open the door. Um, and uh, Jesus is just there like, housekeeping, like just knocking, and, no, and, and you know, uh, that's not it. Like, Jesus... Here, we'll kick down the door. He'll come find you, and, and he'll show up in your life. So this is good news for me, because uh, if Jesus working in my life is dependent on me in any way, like, I'm toast. And so so this is incredible. Like, Paul is not just, like, not going to church regularly. He hasn't backslidden a little bit. He's actively trying to stop the spread of Christianity in the world. And God uses him. Just like Peter tried to tell Jesus, I don't think you should do this whole crucifixion thing. I don't think your death and resurrection is really what the world needs. So God, it's not like he calls the unqualified or he calls people that are like kind of slackers in life, you know, never never finished college and they're, you know, working at Alamo Rent-A-Car and living in their mom's basement. He calls people that are like actively trying to thwart his ministry in the world. So this is just a huge story of grace. And... Um, uh, and, you know, it's, it, this challenges me because I always, you know, who do I look for to be people on the vestry or service volunteers? Like, you know, I want the cream of the crop. Um, 
But thankfully, God has much lower standards than I do. Um, or actually, he has really high standards, but they're so high that he fills them himself so he can then give us righteousness as a gift. Right. That's very powerful. And, you know, uh, I love, I mean, that's like a perfect segue uh, into the epistle reading, uh, Revelation chapter 5, 11 through 14. Which isn't really an epistle, but you know. Well, you know. it's yeah. What is it technically? I mean, I guess it's a revelation. It's its, its own thing. Yeah, it's it should, singular you know, though. It is singular. Yeah, so if you're somebody that uses yeah. the lectionarypage.net like Jake and I do, uh, or other things similar, um, you know, there's usually an Old Testament reading, an epistle, or like New Testament that's not the gospel, and then the gospel. He, on the, the lectionary uh, page does get it right, calls it the first lesson in Acts, but and then they call this the epistle, but it's not an epistle. Anyway, second lesson, Revelation, so, moving on. Yeah, but the, I mean, I think what's very powerful about this is that the, the caller, you know, the caller, not you, dear listener, but the caller who gives the call, our Lord, uh, his voice oftentimes comes from the most unexpected of places as well. So he's not only calling the most unexpected of people, but he's also calling from the most unexpected of places. And uh, really, to preach Revelation chapter 5, you have to place it in its context. Uh, and so uh, prior to this, the previous um, 10 verses was all about uh, John the Divine. And um, uh, basically, uh, you know, the the seals have been opened, and he sees this mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice this amazing question, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And it says, and no one in heaven on, or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look on it. And uh, one of the elders then said, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And then uh, it's amazing because he looks up. This is when the revelator looks up, and he hears this loud voice of angels surrounding the throne of these living creatures. I mean, it's just this powerful, powerful apocalyptic scene. And uh, he's probably expecting to see this mighty lion, you know, the MGM Grand Lion, you know, just roaring and roaring. And he says, uh, sing, singing with the full voice, worthy is the lamb that was slaughtered. <laughs> yeah. It just kind of flips, uh, you know, the symbol of heaven, the symbol of the caller. Well, it comes with great might. It appears and uh, as, as, as a lamb that was slaughtered to receive power, wealth, and wisdom, and might, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And indeed, I think one of the things is that the point of the preacher, the point of this Christian life, is to point to the one who was worthy, because I most certainly am not, you know what I mean? But there is a lamb that was slaughtered who's received power, wealth, wisdom, and might, by his resurrection from the dead, God has vindicated this lamb. And, uh, and then the next section of this is that it has impacts not only for your life and your own call, but also the entire creation rejoices with this. So it not only affects you, but all of creation. You know, we're watching uh, the Ukraine be leveled. We're watching, uh, you know, I mean, in New York yesterday, there was a subway shooting. And, uh, you know, and you just see all of creation grown and like where, 
What is going to happen? And we see finally that all is made right and that everything on earth, under the earth, which was chaotic, and on the sea, which demonstrates chaos, begins to sing the glory to the Lamb. And uh, indeed, uh, there is coming a time when this will all be set right, because God's love in Jesus won't allow it to remain the same. Yeah, exactly. And I love the fact that in this translation, at least, it says the lamb who was slaughtered. You know, often you hear the lamb who was slain, which is true and accurate, but this, I mean, this really gets the sacrificial element of it too. And just, again, this is the central image of our faith. Um, uh, And it's just, it's, it's... So powerful. This is always in the heart of God. And I, I, every time I teach on this in this context, it blows minds, the fact that the crucified and risen Christ, that that was not plan B, that it was always plan A, and that the crucified and risen Christ is always in the triune Godhead. It's not like there was like this early version of the Trinity where Jesus wasn't human, and then and there was no plan to have him be crucified. But then humans got so bad, God had to send Jesus as like, you know, this was his last option, you know, last resort in case of emergency, break glass and send the second person in the Trinity down to earth and to get on a skin costume and to then save the human race and then zip back up to heaven. You know, they helped, they wouldn't have to do it. But then, but this shows that the, the slain lamb at the center of the throne being worshipped and all that, that this is the, the, the crucified and risen Christ was always, it is eternally in the Godhead. And um, and what that and that's big Amen. theological language. What this means is that is that the rescuing, redeeming, saving love of God is always who God has been from the beginning. It's not like we got Amen. so bad that He had to really, you know, you know, go to the ultimate lengths for us. He this has always been who God is, the one who saves the world, the one who loves, the one who, who redeems. So, anyways, that's all I would say about Amen. that. That's good. Uh, Okay. Well, then we come to our gospel reading. Where Jesus... John 21, verses 1. Yeah, where Jesus uh, meets his buddies fishing. Yeah, Yeah, he's... I love this new meme that's floating around, and uh, it's meme, right, Aaron? And uh, uh, it's floating around, but it has uh, Jesus' disciples on the beach, and they're like, Lord, we thought you were dead. And he's like, no, I was just looking for some Advil. (laughs) Yeah, you know, he really, he still had those scars. That's right. Uh, so here we have, this is a famous scene. There's a great painting of this, of Jesus. I love the, just the image of the charcoal fire. This is like one of the few scenes mm. of grilling in the Bible. Um, and mm. it's, uh, here they are. Low and slow. Right, low and it's slow. Like they do in Texas. That's right. So Sea of Tiberias, which is the same thing as the Sea of Galilee. They're just different names for the same place. Uh-huh. Uh, and, um, Jesus had told his disciples, I'll meet you in Galilee. And so here is back to where it all began. And they're all there, minus uh, Judas. And and they've gone back to work. They've gone back to fishing. Because, again, the whole thing was a failure. Like, it didn't work. Yeah, you can talk about that. Yeah, and this is... Well, this is a this is one of those like kind of apologetic truths of the gospel, um, you know, that is that is baked within the gospel. I mean, they went back to work. They weren't expecting like, oh, we're just waiting for our time to be commissioned by Jesus to spread a new religion. You know, they uh, they went back to work. They were not expecting him to rise from the dead. Um, you know, and so yeah, yeah and, and, that's all and, I want know, to say. These again, back to our original point about God calling Saint Paul, who was not equipped, 
who was fighting God, who was not qualified, who was like the worst choice ever. In a sense, the disciples were always a bad choice, and here they demonstrate it sort of again. I mean, yes, he told them to go wait for them in Galilee, and so there's some of that there. But he also told them, I will rise from the dead. Like, this is the whole thing. Um, and um, I don't something about going back to the original line of work to me shows, I don't know, I don't want to say lack of faith, but maybe not getting it. I mean, it was a, not yeah, getting totally. it fully. It's a lack like of faith. we're just well. There goes they had no three faith. years wasted. Let's go back to the old. You know, that's exactly what they go were back, doing. Let's go back to the Ford plant and start making uh, Mustangs again. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so again, he's so merciful. God is so merciful. This is the heart of God always. So you know, he shows them with the you know apologies for those who like prepositions in the correct place. Jesus meets them where they're at again. Um, and there's always this mysterious thing about Jesus in the resurrection. People don't always recognize him right away. Like Mary thought he was the gardener and the disciples walking to Emmaus didn't quite get who he was here again. They didn't know it was Jesus. Um, he, and then, but there's this miraculous catch of fish and then, um, well, that goes back to when he first called them. You remember, uh, he's like, you know, and they're like, Lord, we've been fishing all day. And he's like, you know, uh, uh, toss, toss, uh, toss the, toss the net yeah. over, and they bring in this huge haul. And what does Peter say when he sees it? He says, "Lord, my God, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man." So I mean, this is hearkening all to these this first call, yeah. you know. And so then and it's just sort of it never it, it it says at this point now none of the disciples dared to ask him who are you because they knew it's the Lord. So. It's not this huge. And aha, they're worried they're going to get eviscerated. Yeah. <laughs> They've begun to figure it out. Even the disciples begin to figure it out. And Jesus takes bread and gives it to them. Does the same with the fish. This is why I think communion. Maybe if we wanted to have fish, we could. No, I'm kidding. That's not true. But I love though that Peter jumps for uh, Peter. Like he put on some clothes for he yeah. was naked, and then he jumps. And in the he water. jumped right into the sea. Like, no, Peter, <laughs> do it the other way around. Um, so they finish breakfast and then there's this beautiful scene. And when I was at the sea of Galilee, you can go to the place where people think this happened. And I took a little rock from the place and I put it in my pocket and I still have it. Um, because I I wanted to be the place where Simon, Peter, Peter, who had betrayed Jesus, um, was reinstated. And it's this beautiful picture of grace. And I took a little piece of that place because we Mm -hmm. have all been there. We've all been people that have, um, uh, we are the people that yell crucify just as much as we are the people that yell Hosanna. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus has this uh, thing. And there's a you could make a big deal about the fact that the verb love changes here. Jesus used different versions yeah. of the Greek word love. And I wouldn't get too into that with your congregation. It's, we're, it's worth having if you're with a bunch of seminarians. Um, but it just, to me, it causes the old eyes to glaze over. But. Peter is asked by Jesus three times, do you love me? And Jesus hears the answer, yes, basically three times. And it's supposed to be kind of this mirror image of Jesus being denied by Peter three times uh, a few days prior. And now Peter affirming his love for Christ three times. And um, Jesus says after this, follow me. So it's putting him back in ministry and basically forgiving him. Uh, it's this very special moment because, you know, Peter's obviously failed and he, he wept when he realized what he'd done and he promised he never would. But he still, if you've ever, if you've ever, this, and this will really preach for people, if you've ever, if, if, you can talk about how we always tell God we're going to get better, we're going to get better, and then we don't. So we feel really guilty and that God can't use us anymore. Um, 
he's so tired of us or we've let him down for the last time. Um, but Peter shows us that Jesus' heart, that you can never run out of second chances. As Jesus says, you know, do you That's forgive right. seven times? And he says, and no, no, you forgive 70 times seven. And here's Jesus putting that into practice. He himself is walking Amen. the talk, not just talking the talk. And, you know, and the, to, absolutely, you know, uh, the, the idea, I mean, if you've ever been forgiven mm-hmm. deeply, you know, someone like, you know, I mean, and somebody has forgiven you, I mean, that kind of love, well, that precedes any feeding of the sheep, uh, you know, uh, love, deep love uh, precedes any real Christian action. And so, uh, you know, this is that love must always come first before, you know, uh, you know, he's like, you know, G, he, and that's an important thing. He doesn't ask Peter, are you committed mm-hmm. to me? You know, he doesn't ask Peter like, you know, hey, you're going to give it a second shot. Uh, you know, he doesn't say any of those things. He says, Peter, do you love me? And, you know, that three times. And there's this great story. I mean, it's, it's hagiography. It's, it's legend. But there's a great story about uh, Peter uh, during the Neroshan persecutions, the persecution uh, of Rome, by, of the Christians by Nero. And uh, the story is, is that um, uh, Peter, like, was like, dude, I'm out of here. You know what I mean? This is brutal. And uh, so he snuck out, and as he was running from Rome, there on the road, uh, walking to Rome, he sees this person, and the person looks at him, and it's the risen Lord, and says, "Uh, Peter, do you love me? And uh, Peter's like, oh, (laughs) yes, Lord. And he's like, feed my sheep. And Jesus continues to walk to Rome, and Peter followed him back to Rome where he was arrested, and then crucified where he said, I'm not worthy to die as my Lord, and so therefore was crucified upside Which down. Which is what this passage references when it says, mm-hmm. uh, you, when you're younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wish, but when you're older, you go stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you don't wish to go. Mm-hmm. And it clearly indicates his death. And so uh, there's... Um, and that's why scholars believe this is yeah. written after the crucifixion and follow, of Peter. But yeah, and follow me, follow to follow Jesus. Yeah. Uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll follow him through death. Yeah. You will, whether you like it or not, you will follow him through death. Yeah. Uh, but uh, believe me, a resurrection is coming where we will all see that Lamb slaughtered on the throne, yeah. and uh, we will say to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever yeah. and ever. So tell your people on the third Sunday of Easter that if if they have um, that because Paul tried to kill the Christian church and yet was then recruited to be a leader in that church and that Peter denied Jesus three times and yet was put back into ministry um, and given a position of leadership not just like you know be the water boy or something like that um, this means that. Um, you and I are forgiven and put into ministry. And it's just a, it's, it's a message of grace for the third Sunday of Easter. So tell your people. Amen. Well, Jamiroquai, until we meet again, God bless. Amen. Keep it virtual and sane. <laughs>
Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll. You 